at numbers three and four. They fit. They're talking about the sons of Aaron and the tribe of Levi and their duties there in Israel when they're preparing to get on the road. And it's been at this point, when we get into the book of Numbers, we discover that they're on the move again. It's been 13 months since the Exodus, and they're preparing to head toward the promised land. Little did the children of Israel know that this generation that came out would not enter in because of their unbelief and their unwillingness to obey the Lord. So they are preparing, but they're preparing for a long 40-year journey that leads nowhere. But here we have at the beginning of the book of Numbers, the book of Numbers as we just started it last week, named Numbers because of the two senses that are taken, one in the beginning and one toward the end of the book of Numbers. The first census refers to the generation that came out of Egypt. The second census will regard the generation and the children of this generation the generation that enters into the promised land. And so tonight we have more numbers, but now dealing with the sons of Aaron. And in chapters 3 and 4, we find that with the redemption and the sanctification of the tribe of Levi, they were redeemed because God had claimed them as his own and were sanctified because God had set them apart to serve him as priests and custodians of the tabernacle from all the tribe of Israel. So I'm going to ask God to bless the teaching of his word tonight, and we'll get into Numbers chapters 3 and 4. Father, thank you for opportunity to look into your word, to learn, to bring application, and, and to just learn the history as well, Lord, of the people of Israel and how, Lord, you worked in their lives, sometimes in spite of their disobedience, sometimes, Lord, because of their obedience. And Lord, you set up a, a path by which they might walk in fellowship with you. They often failed, as we, Lord, also often fail. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to glean from the failures as the scripture tells us that all of these things were written for our benefit that we might learn. And so help us, Lord, to glean from these things that you can help, that will help in our walk and relationship with you in the age of the church that we now find ourselves in. But we thank you, Lord, that here we find in these two chapters that you have order and, Lord, that you are not a God of confusion but a God of order. And that is clearly displayed in these first several chapters of the book of Numbers. So bless us, Lord, as we look into these chapters tonight, Numbers chapters 3 and 4. So we meet the sons of Aaron in verses 1 through 4. Now these are the records of Aaron and Moses. When the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, these were the names of the sons of Aaron, Nadab, the firstborn, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, these are the names of the sons of Aaron, anointed priest, whom he consecrated to minister as priest 
Nadab and Abihu had died before the Lord when they offered profane fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai, and they had no children. So Eleazar and Ithamar ministered as priests in the presence of Aaron, their father. So we're taken back, uh, recalled all the sons of Aaron, four sons that he had. The two elder sons had presented Profane fire before the Lord. Scripture says nothing more about that, but it was an unsanctified offering that they presented before the Lord, a fire that they brought in, an incense perhaps that they brought in that was not, um, had not been sanctified for the temple use. Whatever the issue was, the Lord was displeased with them, and it was the day of their anointing. I mean, they just maybe perhaps excited, but they made a misstep that cost them their lives. And it also, and it's pretty clear in a lot of the beginning stages of movements throughout Scripture, that God often would bring harsh judgment upon those who disobeyed him. And this was a hard lesson for Aaron and his two remaining sons to learn. So the chapter begins by recounting Aaron's four sons and the sins of his eldest sons, Nahab and Abihu, who were killed before the Lord by offering profane fire or unsanctioned fire before the Lord. Since they had no sons, Eliezer was next in line to be the high priest after Aaron, his father, and Ithamar served as priest alongside their father. So Eliezer and Ithamar served as priests alongside their father. So we can kind of get a sense. If there's two to three million Israelites, as we looked at last week with the uh, over 600,000 men of fighting age, 600,000, so 603,550 men of fighting age, not including the Levites, we could see that that would be a lot for three pastors to deal with. You know, it was... A large company. So they had the Levites to help them in the ministry. So the tribe of Levi, verses 5 through 13. A lot of scripture reading, and I'm going to read through the passages. I could skip it and just tell you what kind of it says, but I'd rather us get the Word of God and then uh, maybe highlight a few of the things that we read. So 5 through 13, the tribe of Levi. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring the tribe of Levi near and present them before Aaron and the priest, that they may serve him. And they shall attend to his needs and the needs of the whole congregation before the tabernacle of meeting to do the work of the tabernacle. Also, they shall attend to all the furnishings of the tabernacle of meeting and to the needs of the children of Israel to do the work of the tabernacle. And you shall give the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They are given entirely to him from among the children of Israel. So you shall appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall attend to their priesthood. But the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, verse 12, Now behold, I myself have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the children of Israel. Therefore the Levites shall be mine, because all the firstborn are mine on the day that I struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. I sanctified to myself all the firstborn in Israel 
both man and beast. They shall be mine. I am the Lord. So God takes Aaron's brothers from the tribe of Levi, Aaron and Moses coming from that same tribe, and sets them apart to assist the priesthood. As I said, they were only three priests, the high priest and two uh, priests, his sons, Eliezer and Ithamar, serving alongside their father Aaron, and over two million people believed to be the number here that they're ministering, and that would be a lot for anyone. And so God gave them the tribe of Levi to help in the service of the tabernacle of the Lord. At the first Passover, God had claimed all the firstborn in Israel because on that night, God went through with the destroyer and killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Only those who had been redeemed by the blood of the lamb with the blood that was painted over the doorposts and lintel of the homes were spared. And so, for the most part, the nation of Israel, their firstborn of man and animal, were spared on that night. And so God said, the firstborn are mine. All the firstborn are mine. The animals would be redeemed, either offered as a sacrifice to the Lord, unclean animals, either you redeem with an offering of redemption or you'd break their necks. Um, But God required all the firstborn as his. Exodus 13, 2, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whoever opens the womb among the children of Israel, of both man and beast, it is mine. So God had desired that all Israel would represent him in the world to be a kingdom of priests, in Exodus 19:5 and 6, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, keep my covenant, you shall be a special treasure to me above all the people, for all the earth is mine. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Now some commentators believe that God chose the tribe of Israel because when the rebellion took place at the golden calf, that when Moses cried out, who's on the Lord's side? It was the tribe of Israel who stood up, took their swords, went out in the camp, killed about 3,000 of their brethren that night. And we learned that in Exodus 32, 26 through 29. However, God had already chosen the Arianic priesthood before this incident of the golden calf. It may better fit that One of the reasons God singled out the tribe of Israel was because Jacob prophesied over two of his rebellious sons, Simeon and Levi, saying in Genesis 39.7, I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Another thing that the tribe of Levi did not have compared to the other 12 tribes, they had no inheritance in the land. So they were literally scattered throughout the land. So Simeon was Jacob and Leah's second son, Levi, the third son. Simeon and Levi, if you recall, took their swords, killed all the males of Shechem because the son of Hamor, his name being Shechem, had raped their sister, Diana. And God had called them to be instruments of righteousness, but they became instruments of cruelty. And by the second census, 
in Numbers 26 and 27, we'll actually see that Simeon and Levi became the two smallest tribes in Israel. And both tribes being scattered, uh, Simeon was actually absorbed into the tribe of Judah as their inheritance was within the tribe of Judah. Joshua 19.1 teaches us that. And the Levites were spread out throughout the promised land as Joshua 21, 41 and 42 speaks about all the cities of the Levites, 48 cities with all their common lands, every one of these cities and the common lands were around it. So they spread out throughout all the land of Egypt. Whatever the reason, the tribe of Levite was claimed by God as the firstborn. And so the clans within the tribe of Levi, there were three divisions within the tribe, and they had each their duties. In 14 through 39, we learn of these three divisions. And in this section, I did kind of kill a lot of the reading here. We'll get an overview of it, but we'll initially look at... Uh, See how I do on these names here. I always love reading these names. 14 through 20. The Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, saying, Number the children of Levi by their fathers' houses, by their families. You shall number every male from, the month, from a month old and above. And so Moses numbered them according to the word of the Lord as he commanded. These were the sons of Levi by their names, Gershon, Kohath, and Mariai, and these were the names of the sons of Gershom by their family, Libni and Shimei, and the sons of Kohath by their families, Amram, Izahar, Hebron, and Uzael, and the sons of Mariai by their family, Mil Milai and Mushi, Mali and Mushi, my two sons, Mali and Mushi. These are the families of the Levites by their father's houses. If people would just name their children by these names, we'd have no problems trying to pronounce them in later years. So the tribe, there's four main divisions within the tribe. Aaron and his sons actually belonged to the Kohaths, but they served as priests. So they were separate division within the tribe. And the Gershonites cared for the structure of the tabernacle. We learn about that in verses 21 through 16. The Kohaths cared for the articles of the tabernacle. We learn about that in 27 through 31. And the Merorites cared for the structure that formed the courtyard of the tabernacle. We learn about that in verses 33 through 37. They were also to camp immediately around the tabernacle. So last week we looked at the divisions of all the tribes of Israel and where they were to camp surrounding the tabernacle proper, but kind of as a circumference within. So all the tribes of Israel camping around three tribes to each direction of the compass and then immediately surrounding on the four sides of the tabernacle was the tribes or the divisions of the tribe of Levi. And so for Aaron and his priests, they camped immediately east of the tabernacle. We looked at this last week. Judah 
from which comes the kingly line, was also camped immediately east of the tabernacle. This is because the door always faced to the east. The entryway to the tabernacle was from the east. And so first you had the Arianic priesthood, and then beyond that, the tribe of Judah and the other two tribes camped alongside Judah there. But Judah becoming that priestly line, so you have the kingly line, both the priests and the kings having that entryway from the east, even before there was any king in Israel. But of the other sons from the division of the Gershonites, they numbered from one month old and upward 7,500. The divisions of the Kohathites were 8,600. The division of the Merarites was 6,200. So 22,300 in totality. And there is a, a discrepancy of a couple of numbers in this chapter. Some scholars suggest that there were slight textual errors. Uh, remember, the original manuscripts was copied by hand. And if they caught a mistake, they threw the whole thing away and started over again. And I'm sure there was a lot of reading and a lot of proofreading, but maybe not always catching every little jot and tittle. Jesus said not one jot or tittle would pass away until the whole word is confirmed. But we do have a couple of discrepancies of numbers. And we have it even in the counts uh, tonight in chapter 4. I'll give you another one. And it really doesn't change the meaning of Scripture, just some numerical um, calculations that seem to be slightly off in one chapter versus another chapter. So the Gershonites were to camp on the west side, according to verse 23. The Kohathites were on the south side, verse 29. And the Merarites on the north side, verse 35. Aaron and the priest, as I said, on the east side, verse 38. In verse 32, we learn that Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest was the chief. It's a Hebrew word that means prince of princes. So he was the chief over the leaders of the Levites with oversight for those who kept charge of the sanctuary. So as next in line to become the high priest, Eliezer was chief over the leaders of the Levites, also had oversight over those who were responsible for the day-to-day -day operations of the tabernacle of course, the priest would be the ones there officiating uh, the service there at the tabernacle, the offerings that were given, but the Levites would help the priest accomplish their duties. Just keep in mind, over 2 million people and only three priests. So they would have been very busy. 40 through 51, I will read this for the context. God claims the Levites as his firstborn we already mentioned that, but it's given to us again here. Then the Lord said to Moses, number all the firstborn males of the children of Israel from a month old and above and take the number of their names. And you shall take the Levites for me. I am the Lord instead of the firstborn among the children of Israel and the livestock of Levites instead of all the firstborn of the livestock of the children of Israel. So 
Moses numbered all the firstborn among the children of Israel as the Lord commanded, all the firstborn males according to the number of the names of a month old and above to those who were numbered were 22,273. And then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the Levites instead of all the firstborn of the children of Israel and the livestock of the Levites instead of their livestock and the Levites shall be mine. I am the Lord for the redemption of the 273 of the firstborn of the children of Israel who are more than the number of the Levites. You shall take five shekels from each individually. You shall take them in the currency of the shekel of the sanctuary, a shekel of 20 grams, giras, I should say, a 20 giras. And you shall give the money with which the excess number of them is redeemed to Aaron and his sons. Verse 49, so Moses took the redemption money from those who were over above those who were redeemed by the Levites from the firstborn of the children of Israel took the money 1,365 shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary and Moses gave the redemption money to Aaron and his sons according to the word of the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses so there was a a 273 person difference in the count of the firstborn in all of Israel from one month old and upward and from the Levites from one month old and upward, there was a different count of 273. So if you multiply that by five, you come up with that 1,365 shekels that became the property of Aaron and his sons. So only the 200, apparently only the 273 that did not have a counterpart in Israel had to pay the five shekels. So it may not have been a big deal, but if we have a community of, uh, you know, um, a community where only 273 people have to pay a tax where the rest don't, I think the 273 might be a little put out on that, but that is the requirement here. So the numbers add up. So God claimed the Levites as his own. He exchanged every firstborn male in Israel for the whole tribe of Levi and all the firstborn animals in Israel for the, all the animals of the Levites and then had that redemption offering for those 273 firstborn of Israel that did not have a Levite counterparts. And so Jesus, we have also this great exchange that has happened for us. His life has been given for each of us. He took our place. He bore our sins upon the cross. He has become that redemption for us. We don't have to pay. Uh, There is no one that Jesus will not be an adequate counterpart for. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from sin. He is able to redeem all who call upon his name in life-saving faith. So it's by his precious blood, though, we have been redeemed. We have been set apart. We have been set apart to serve others. And we'll learn about the service in chapter 4 and uh, the duties that they had in the service. But just as there is only one way to enter the tabernacle from the east, where Aaron and his sons camped, where the tribe of Judah camped, 
So is there only one way to enter into heaven through faith in Jesus Christ. There is no other way other than faith in Jesus Christ. So in Numbers chapter 4, we have a census of the son, sons of Kohath and that of uh, the sons of Gershon and Merai. And God gave specific duties to each of these divisions of the tribe of Levi. And so each had their specific task that they were to do. And the work was divided up and there was an age limit to the work. And I told my grandson as we were raking leaves, and I'm still kind of bummed that they don't let us burn here on the property anymore. Ten acres of land, it's hard to get rid of leaves when there's so much out there. But we hit it a couple of times this week and better to get it a little bit than try to wait until the end and it's overwhelming. But I was telling him as we were uh, toting the leaves off into the woods and back and back and forth, back and forth. And I said, by now, according to this, I was telling him what we were teaching on tonight. And uh, the service was limited to those from 30 years old to 50 years old. And I said, I'm 12 years out. I shouldn't have to be doing this anymore, according to this. But also, it wasn't that I'm 12 years out. I also told him of a Calvary Chapel pastor who took this passage of scripture, priest should serve from 30 to 50 years old. And I think he was actually over 50, but he turned his church over to his son and apparently got bored because he took the church back later, so he didn't like the retired life at 50. Um, but they did have this age range where they had the task for specific roles in de dealing with the tabernacle. But those who went over that age, they were able to help their brothers. Numbers 8, 23 through 26, we get a different age range here. This is one of the discrepancies um, where one of the uh, Hebrew manuscripts actually drops the age to 25 in chapter 4. We have it as 30, but in chapter 8, they have it from 25 to 50. But the Lord spoke to Moses, Numbers 8, 23 through 26. This is what pertains to the Levites from 25 years old and above. One may enter to perform service in the work of the tabernacle of meeting. By the way, David would drop the number to 20 years old. Sometimes it might deal with uh, the age and the need of the work being done. It's like we don't have a big enough workforce. Let's get some of those younger guys in here. But David's number would drop to 20 years old. But anyways, to perform the service for the work of the tabernacle of meeting at the age of 50, they must cease performing this work and shall work no more. They may minister with their brethren in the tabernacle of meeting to attend to the needs, but they themselves should do no work. Thus, you shall do for the Levites regarding their duties. So it seems like as they got older, they were then able to assist, but uh, no longer did they have that physical labor. And this was, for them, physical labor. And it would change when they get to a permanent structure of the temple and we get into uh, books like Ezra and Nehemiah, we learn that the Levites, actually many of them became teachers of the law. So their roles, their duties, because they were spread out in all Israel, it would make sense to have some 
serving as teachers, um, especially considering you got two million plus here, only three priests, and uh, it would make sense to have other teachers there to teach the children of Israel how they ought to walk and to please God. So 1 through 3, chapter 4, and 1 through 20 deals with the sons of Kohath. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Take a census of the sons of Kohath from among the children of Israel by their children of Levi, by their families, by their fathers' houses from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, who do the service, who all enter the service of the work of the tabernacle of meeting. So their responsibility, the Kohathites, they were responsible for moving the furnishings and the accessories of the tabernacle. They couldn't physically look upon them, as we'll see. They couldn't physically touch them, but they were responsible for moving them. And he goes through each of the pieces of the tabernacle proper, beginning verses 4 through 6, the Ark of the Covenant. This is the service of the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle of meeting, relating to the most holy things. When the camp prepares to journey, Aaron and his sons shall come. They shall take down the covering veil. And so the covering veil would be the veil that was between the holy place and the holy of holies. Aaron and his sons would take down that veil and then immediately, verse 5, cover the ark of the testimony with it. Then they, Aaron and the sons, they shall put a covering of badger skin, spread it over that, a cloth of entirely blue, and they shall insert its poles. So the Ark of the Covenant, when it was moved, it was Aaron and his sons that came in first to cover these furnishings within the tabernacle proper, using the very veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place, they would cover the ark and the mercy seat, then cover that with badger skins, uh, perhaps to keep it waterproof, and then cover that with a blue cloth. This is unique uh, to this one piece of furnishing that it had this blue cloth on the outside. I think perhaps the outer covering of blue, normally the outer coverings, as we will see, would simply be badger skin. But here the outer covering of blue will let everybody know that this is the Ark of the Covenant. But it was covered by Aaron and his sons. The table of showbread, seven and eight. And the table of showbread, they shall spread, still talking about Aaron and his sons, spread the blue cloth, put on it the dishes, the pans, the bowls, the pitchers for pouring, and the showbread shall be on it. And so uh, the table of showbread had 12 loaves of bread that were changed out each week on the Sabbath. New loaves were placed in each week. But when they moved it, the loaves remained. They didn't take them off. They didn't change them. They just covered them all up, put all the utensils, the pans, the bowls all together, spread over them a scarlet cloth, and then the same covering of badger skins, and they inserted the poles. And so we find in here the tabernacle was made of the colors of blue, scarlet, and purple, and we'll discover that uh, they had blue, scarlet, and purple used 
in the covering of these items, furnishings of the tabernacle itself. The menorah, the lampstand, 9 and 10, they shall take a blue cloth to cover the lamp stand of the light with its lamps, its wick trimmers, its trays, all its vessels which they shall which with which they service it, and they shall put it and all of its utensils in a covering of badger skins and put them on a carrying beam. So so far we have inserting the poles and the Ark of the Covenant uh, had rings that they could insert poles to carry the ark without ever having to touch it. The table of showbread had rings on the sides that they can insert poles. But it's a different Hebrew word where they translate it as carrying beam. And so they had a different method of carrying the menorah. They'll use this different Hebrew word in another place as well. But still, they weren't allowed to touch the menorah they there on the carrying beams. This is something that Aaron and his sons prepared for the Kohathites. The altar, the golden altar, this altar was the altar inside the holy place. So as soon as you walked in the holy place of the tabernacle, um, you would have the menorah on your right, the table of showbread on your left, and in front of you as you walked in, there would be the golden altar of incense, and then the curtain that divide the holy place from the holy of holies. So this is the golden altar of which they burn the incense on. The golden altar, 11 through 14, they shall spread a blue cloth and cover it with a covering of badger skins, and they shall insert its poles. They shall take all the utensils of service with which they minister in the sanctuary and put them in a blue cloth, cover them with a carrying covering of badger skins and put them on a carrying beam. They shall also take the ashes from the altar. I found that interesting. They didn't dispose of the ashes. They're holy. They carried the ashes, spread it on a purple cloth, put it in all of its implements with which they ministered there, the fire pans, the forks, the shovels, the basins, the utensils of the altar, and they spread it on the covering of the badger skin and inserted its poles. So I found that just kind of struck me as interesting that the ashes uh, they carried with them. They carried the showbread with them. They carried the ashes of the altar with them to wherever the new location might be. They were to never touch Verse 15, when Aaron and the sons have finished covering the sanctuary, all the furnishings of the sanctuary, when the camp is set to go, so everybody in the whole camp is packed up, ready to go, then the sons of Kohath shall come and carry them. But they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. These are the things in the tabernacle of meeting which the sons of Kohath are to carry. So once Aaron and his sons were finished packing the tabernacle, the furnishings of the tabernacle, then when the camp was ready to move out, the sons of Kohath would come to carry these to the next location. Now we learn later on that carts were given to the Gershonites and to the Merorites to help transport the tabernacle proper, but no carts were given to the Kohathites because number seven, nine, 
Theirs was a service of holy things which they carried on their shoulders. So these were to be uh, bore on their shoulders. It's interesting that David didn't know this because when he first attempted to bring the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, he failed because he was trying to do the work of God in a worldly fashion. What I mean by that is that he was moving the Ark with pomp and circumstance. He had 30,000 choice men. They put it on a new cart. The only time we ever read of the ark being moved on a cart was when the um, Philistines captured the ark and finally sent it back to Israel on a new cart. And we'll read about that uh, in just a little bit of that side of the story. But here David, his 30,000 choice men, put the Ark of the Covenant on a new cart. They had a parade, a grand parade. In 1 Chronicles 13, 8, it says they played music before the Lord with all their might. And they were serving the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, with all the pomp and circumstance that we would deem would be appropriate for God. But they did not consider God's established order. The parade abruptly stopped when Uzzah put out his hand to steady the ark after it stumbled. And the anger of the Lord, 2 Samuel 6, 7, was aroused against him. God struck him there for his error, and he died by the ark of God. And Israel was reminded on that day that God must be revered and obeyed at all times. So that day, David was just upset. He walked away. He left the ark there and uh, learned that God was blessing the household where the ark was left. And so he decided we have to get it in Jerusalem. So what did David do? They failed the first time. Well, they went to the word of God. They learned how to move it properly. So in First Chronicles 15, 2, David said, no one may carry the ark of God but the Levites. Let's get the Levites in here. For the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God, to minister before him forever. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord of Israel. And the children of the Levites bore the ark on their shoulders by its poles as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. Now we can say to David, David, how could you not know this? But I fear that the church has often been guilty of trying to do the work of God in a worldly fashion, sometimes with a lot of pomp and circumstance, and we totally miss. I mean, we may be dancing before the Lord. I don't dance, but you may be dancing before the Lord. You may have a grand parade, and you may be Playing music, I can do that, First Chronicles 3.13. Playing music before the Lord with all my might. But we need to make sure that we consider God's established order when we do such things. I fear the church has often been guilty of trying to do the work of God in a worldly fashion. So Ezra's duty just dropped in here in one verse, verse 16. I appointed... The appointed duty of Ezra, the son of Aaron, 
the priest is for the oil for the light and the sweet incense, the daily grain offering, the anointing oil, the oversight of the tabernacle of all that is in it with the sanctuary and its furnishings. So in the beginning, we can see, remember, only three priests, as they would have sons, they would begin to have an order of the priesthood. Uh, we learn with Elizabeth and Zacharias in the New Testament, the parents of John the Baptist, that Zacharias, it was his turn to minister in the tabernacle of the Lord. They would eventually have so many priests that they would take uh, a, a week of duty, perhaps, or a month of duty where they'd go and serve before the Lord. But right now, even if they had a week of duty or a month of duty, still there would be a priest appointed over these things. Eliezer was appointed over these things. He was responsible for all the work within the tabernacle of meeting. Numbers 3:32. Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, was to be chief over the leaders. We read that back in chapter 3. And then the Lord said, do not cut off, verses 17 through 20. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, verse 18, do not cut off the tribe of the family of the Kohathites Kohathites from among the Levites, but do this in regard to them, that they may live and not die when they approach the most holy thing. Aaron and his son shall go in and appoint each of them to a service, to a task, but they shall not go in to watch while the holy things are being covered, lest they die. So they were never even to look upon it. They couldn't even watch. It's like, I'm not touching it. Well, your eyes can't see it either. So you can't even watch. And this is the mistake of the men of Beth Shemesh. When the ark was captured by the Philistines and after God kept plaguing them, and they finally figured out that this is nothing other than the God of Israel bringing this plague upon our nation. And they devised that they should put it on a new cart with cows that have never bore a burden and just to see what happens with it. And if it just stands around, doesn't go anywhere, then it's not of God. But if it heads back to Israel, then we know that this was of God. And that's what happened. They built a new cart. They had... Uh, two oxen that had never served before leading the cart. It went right back to Israel, 1 Samuel 6, 19. When the men of Beth Shemesh saw the ark as it approached, they approached it really with great care. And the Levites took the ark from the cart and they placed it on a large stone there in the field. They actually broke up the cart for firewood, used the oxen, as an offering, a sacrifice to the Lord. But 1 Samuel 9, 6, 19 says, Then God struck the men of Beth Shemesh because they had looked in the Ark of the Lord. Maybe they simply wondered, is the Ark of the Covenant, is the uh, Ten Commandments still there? Or did the Philistines take it? Is it empty? Or does it still have what is supposed to be there? I mean, they could have opened the lid in innocence, just wanting to know that everything was safe, but that didn't matter. He struck 50,070 of their people. So 
you didn't have 50,070 men look into the ark, but you had some men disobey and it caused a plague upon their whole community. I believe that's why in verse 17 of Numbers 4, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, do not cut off the tribe of the family of the Kohathites. None were to look upon it. If one was to look upon it, it could bring harm to the whole division of the tribe itself. So why did God strike the men of Beth Shemesh? Because they were still accountable to follow God's commandments. No one had a right to remove the mercy seat. And besides, when you take away the mercy seat, the ark is simply a box without a lid. The mercy seat sits on top of the box to form the lid. But when you remove God's mercy, all you do is expose yourself to the law of God and God's righteousness. And with no mercy between them, all they found was judgment and death. Such would be our fate if it were not for Jesus Christ. In 1 John 2, 2, for he himself is our propitiation, same word translated as mercy, covering. He himself is our propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So that was the duty for the sons of the Gershonites. Uh, no, the Kohathites, the Gershonites, and that's what we're going to look at now, verses 21 through 28. Their duty is a little quicker here. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also take a census of the sons of Gershon by the father's house, by their family, 30 years old and above, to even to 50 years old. You shall number them, all who entered to perform the service to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting. So this service in the family of the Gershonites, in serving and carrying, they carried the, verse 25, the curtains of the tabernacle, the tabernacle of meeting, with its coverings, the coverings of badger skin that is on it, the screen for the door of the tabernacle of meeting, the screen for the door of the gate of the courtyard, the hangings of the courtyard, and the tabernacle and the altar, the cords, the furnishings for their service, all that is made for these things, so they shall serve. So think of it like a tent. The Gershonites were responsible for carrying all the material of the tents and the courtyard, the cords, but not carrying the tent's frame, the stands, the ropes, the pegs. They were given carts. Number seven, verses six and seven, they were given two carts, four oxen for the service of carrying these tents. They did not have to bear them on their shoulders. So Ithamar's duty dropped in here, the other son of Aaron, 28 and 29, Aaron and his sons shall assign in the service of all the sons of the Gershonites all their tasks and all their services. You shall appoint to them all their tasks as their duties. This is the service of the families of the sons of Gershon in the tabernacle of meeting. Their duty shall be under the authority of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. So Ithamar oversaw the Gershonites. He would also oversee the Merorites as well. So the Merorites, verses 29 through 33, again, they have accounts from 30 years old and above. This was their age of service to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting. And they would take 
all the boards, the pillars, the sockets, and the pegs, and uh, had four carts that was given to them. They apparently had the majority of the workload here. Four carts, according to Numbers 7, verse 8. Four carts and eight oxen were given to the sons of Mary, according to their service, under the authority of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. So theirs were to carry the framing of the tabernacle. So a census is taken of the tribe of Levi, verses 34 through 39, a long section of reading, but it'll close out this chapter. Moses and Aaron, the leaders of the congregation, numbered the sons of the Kohathites by their family, by their father's house from 30 years old and above to even 50 years old, everyone who entered the service for the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Those who were numbered by their families were 2,750 these were the ones who were numbered by the families of the Kohathites, all who might serve in the tabernacle of meeting, whom Moses and Aaron numbered according to the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses. So that was the sons of the Kohathites, their number 2,750. Beginning in verse 38, and the sons of Gershon, by their family, by their father's house, 30 years old and above to even 50, Everyone who entered the service for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, those who were numbered by their family of their father's house was 2,630. These are the ones who were numbered by the sons of Gershon, all who might serve in the tabernacle of meeting, whom Moses and Aaron numbered according to the commandment of the Lord. So they're numbered 2,630. And beginning in verse 42, the sons of Mariai, those were the numbered by their family, by their father's house from 30 years old and above even to 50 years old. Everyone entered the service of the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Those who were numbered by their families were 3,200. These are the ones who were numbered by the families of the sons of Mariah, whom Moses and Aaron numbered according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. All who were numbered of the Levites, of whom Moses and Aaron and the leaders of Israel numbered by their families, by their sons, father's houses from 30 years old above and even to 50 years old. Everyone who came to do the work of service and the work of bearing the burdens of the tabernacle of meeting, verse 48, those who were numbered were 8,580. According to the commandment of the Lord, they were numbered by the hands of Moses, each according to his service, according to his task. Thus, they were numbered by him as the Lord commanded. So it was Moses and Aaron, along with the 12 leaders from the 12 tribes of Israel, they were involved in counting the census of chapters 1 and 2. They're still involved with Moses and Aaron in counting now the tribe of Levites. And everyone from the ages of 30 to 50 years old for the service of the Lord in dismantling, transporting, and erecting the tabernacle whenever it was moved. Of the males from 30 to 50 years old, the Kohathites were 2,750, the Gershonites 2,630, the Merorites 3,200. So of the 22,300 males that were counted in the tribe of Levi from one month old and upward, 8,580 were eligible to serve in the work of the tabernacle, the dismantling, transporting, erecting, the tabernacle 
whenever it would be moved. Now, according to all this, we found several times by the command of Lord. Uh, numbers 437, Numbers 441, twice in 49, by the command of God. Moses did these things under the command of God, and the spe specific word of God, the specific duties of the sons of Levi, and limiting the service from the ages of 30 to 50 teaches us that there are seasons of life when we may be called to specific areas of service. Sometimes those calls are not a lifelong call. I have to tell you, when I was in my mid-20s and I was playing in a Christian rock band, I thought that was it. I am going to be famous one day, and I am going to be, you know, my band and the contenders. We were not the contenders. Our band's name was Contender Singular. But I thought, this is my ministry of service. This is my call. In hindsight, I look back at those days, and I realized that God was actually teaching me to share his word with other people. Yes, I was learning to be a musician. I was learning how to sing and to do harmony and to have stage presence. But when I look back at those years, I think one of the most important things that came out of that time for me was the ability to present the word of God before others. And God was only beginning to work that out in me. But he gave me a taste of it when I played in a Christian band. He gave me a further taste of it when I became a youth pastor at two separate churches at two different seasons, um, working with youth and learning how to teach youth. And I would teach them verse by verse through the Bible. So I learned two things during that season. One, how to teach kids, even though I was a kid in my 20s and early 30s but also how to teach through verse by verse. The Lord was uh, helping me and grooming me and preparing me. And so God gives us seasons. Sometimes it's for a set period. Sometimes it is a lifetime call. Sometimes God moves us on to a different place. The word of the Lord tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministry, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God works in, works all in all, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So God helps us to grow in our faith, to love Jesus through serving him and serving others for the profit of all. And sometimes he'll give us a season, maybe from the age of 30 to 50. Maybe it's a different age. Maybe it's a different season, but he gives us certain seasons where we serve him, we learn, we grow. We finish that season, we're able to assist and to help as the Levites were able to. Once they hit 51, then they no longer had the main job, but they could assist their brothers in the work. And we can do that as we get older. I'm, you know, uh, getting older and... Uh, I don't know what the future will hold for any of us, but in the back of my mind, I keep thinking that the Lord is wanting to prepare me to teach others. I know I'm a teacher and I'm a preacher, but maybe in a different structure at a different time and a different date. And so I'm 
currently going to school to um, better my education, to perhaps prepare me for a future that I do not even know what it might look like as of yet. But I can't get past the point of I think this is where the Lord wants me. And uh, right now here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, and we'll see what God does and how long the seasons last in our lives. But that's for us all. So specific duties, limiting their age of service, teaches us that there's different seasons of life when we may be called to specific areas of service. Sometimes those calls may not be lifelong calls, but those gifts that we are given by the Lord are to be used for the profit of all. So one thing I've always thought, it's, you know, just keep growing in the faith and the Lord will direct your path. And so, Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, Father, that you would be with us as we continue to grow in our faith. And Lord, maybe we're in one of those seasons where you have us right where you want it. We're doing the work you've called us to do. Maybe we're at an in-between place and we're trying to figure out, Lord, what's the next step? And maybe, Lord, in some ways, we're doing what you would have us to do. And at the same time, you're preparing us for the next step. I just pray, Lord, that you would help us through the power of your Holy Spirit to serve you according to your word, not in a worldly fashion as church is often guilty of doing, as David was guilty of doing when attempting to first move the ark. Even though they danced with all their might before the Lord and had a big parade, what they did was not in accordance to your word. Help us, Lord, to determine how we ought to walk and to please you. But Lord, let it be for the service of all, for the profit of all, that we love and serve one another. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I pray that God would bless you and keep you and watch over you. God bless.